Okay, if you would take your Bible and turn to Revelation chapter 11. <coughs> Excuse me, 11, Revelation chapter 11. Verse 15. Revelation 11, verse 15. And a seventh angel sounded. So it's kind of, re, kind of res, a little resuming here. And then it's going to go back to, again, a kind of an inset. But a seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead, that they should be judged. Thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and should have destroyed them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings, and voices, and thunderings, and an earthquake, and great hail. The title of this, A Synopsis View of the End. This is really what this is in these verses here. It's kind of a, kind of a, a condensed description of, of the completion of all things. It's kind of what it is. Uh, of the completion to the kingdom. But chronologically in the book we aren't yet aren't there yet. And uh, so so it's, it's kind of a kind of a, a view of the end. Again, I think it's an, an encouragement to God's people uh, that the promises of God are true. So let's pray and then we'll look at it. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open thy precious word. I pray that you would, again, speak to our hearts and encourage us, strengthen us, Father, uh, for our daily living, that we might uh, be faithful until you come for us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we consider, you know, this, this condensed um, description of the end of all things, there's several things I want to note. Uh, as we view this, first of all, we see the certainty of the kingdom of Christ. In verses 15 through 17, if you, if you read it carefully, you'll notice this thing, that it speaks as if it's done. The seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. So it emphasizes here, you know, though in chronological and in, in time, as it's progressing in the tribulation, the kingdom hasn't come yet. It gives a glimpse that as if it has. And we see that in other uh, portions of Scripture. For example, 
in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2, and verses 1 through 7, it says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead, tres- dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. So it, it describes us as if we are, it says we, are, we have been made, that he hath raised us up and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is our positional standing. That is not our present standing. But as far as God is concerned, that's where we are. We are in Him. And so all the promises of God are to be fulfilled or will be fulfilled. It's just a matter of when. But God sees the end from the beginning. So it's already all ours. So He speaks of it here as if it's in present tense and that's what John does here in the book of Revelation he's speaking of the the kingdom of Christ as in present tense and the the phrase there are become in verse 15 is is what I'm I'm told it's middle voice in Greek it's a middle voice voice verb which is very emphatic Uh, it's a very strong uh, stating you know the certainty of that, so so he's assuring you know again remember where if you were in the middle in the tribulation you're reading the word of God they're going to have the Bible, and you're reading this this is an encouragement to God's people don't give up the worst is yet to come as we're going to see uh, in the tribulation period the last three and a half years when the Antichrist will pour out and the nations of the world will pour out their wrath. And, and we see that here in this verse too. So there is this certainty of the kingdom of Christ. Don't be discouraged. Don't lose heart. You know, many are losing heart. You know, Jesus said that many are going to faint in the last days. Don't faint. Don't lose heart. Uh, God will keep his promises and the kingdom uh, will come. Uh, and if you notice in verse chapter 12, verse, and I'm way looking at some verses in chapter 12, and I'll make some explanation there as well. But, but verse 5 says, She brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. So that is going to come to pass. So that's the, the certainty of the kingdom of Christ. But I want you to notice, secondly, the, the condition of the nations. There's two descriptions that, that stood out to me here. One is angry, and the other is destroyers. God describes the nations as angry and destroyers. Verse 18 says, and the nations were angry. They're angry. You know, I think the world is preparing for this time. It seems like people are getting more and more angry. Uh, 
you know, I've heard, I've heard uh, older people say, why, why are so many young people angry? You know, the countenance of their face looks like one of, many times looks like one of anger. You know, the gangs and, 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 you know, all these places, uh, young people are just looking for trouble to get into or to hurt someone. Uh, if you take a stand, you know, I was, I was doing some reading about uh, uh, Matt Walsh, who is a very outspoken uh, against abortion on, on, in all cases. Abortion period, all cases. You know, a lot of people will say, well, I'm against abortion except for rape and except for the harm. No, he's, I said, he's against, you know, it's killing him a life. That's what it is. You're still taking a life. Two wrongs don't make a right, you know. And, and, and he uh, spoke at a, there was a uh, Democrat, Pennsylvania Democrat congressman who, who uh, uh, ridiculed and mocked some young ladies that were standing outside of an abortion clinic in, I think it was in Philadelphia here just recently. And so uh, that brought about a, a pro-life rally at that abortion clinic, and they challenged this uh, 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 congressman to show up. But he, of course, he didn't. But, but, and then after that rally, um, uh, Matt Walsh got uh, all kinds of hate mail. I hope you're your wife and your daughters get raped. You know, I hope, you know, you know, you know, some of them were dumb enough to put their names with them. So he made it public who it was, you know. Uh, that'll go on their record, of course. And we even see this in, in uh, politics. Uh, here just recently, of course, with Alabama outlawing almost all abortion in the state this past week, our freshman congressman, AOC, of course, you know, Ocasio-Cortez, said this, that religious fundamentalists are trying to outlaw sex that falls outside their theology. Uh, She said, quote, abortion bans aren't just come about controlling women's body, they're about controlling women's sexuality. Owning women, from limiting birth control to to banning comprehensive sex ed, you... U.S. religious fundamentalists are working hard to outlaw sex that falls outside their theology. Uh, so there's a, there's a mockery, mockery of Christianity and hateful uh, speech. Uh, and, and then there's another article I noticed, I read here just recently, Why Are Atheists So Angry? And this was written by a rabbi, um, and, and that was the title of the article in 2011, he said, quote, how harmless is it to post an article about why people should read the Bible on a site devoted to religion? I did on this very page, and it evoked more than 2,000 responses, most of them angry. I had previously written a similarly gentle article about how God should be taught to children that evoked more than 1,000 responses, almost all negative and many downright nasty. It is curious that a religion site draws responses mostly from atheists and that the atheists are very unhappy. They are unhappy with the Bible, which they call foolish fairy tales, and unhappy with the idea of God, which they call an imaginary dictator, and they are very unhappy with everyone who presumes to offer religious advice to the religious. Only the untutored assume that religious people predominate on websites. So, you know, you know it shows you know, that, that people are angry. 
you know, the left. We talk about, you know, it's in politics nowadays. The left is angry. It's not they're just talking about, they're not just giving us their ideas. They're taking action. They're attacking people. They're attacking, destroying property. You know, they are angry. And we see this. This is, this is, this is, there's evidence of this worldwide. There is anger and persecution of Israel. And the question is why? Is it because they are a detriment to the world? Well, I'll just tell you a few Jewish contributions to society. Albert Einstein, the physicist. Jonas Salk created the first polio vaccine. Albert Sabin developed the oral vaccine for polio. Uh, Galileo discovered the speed of light. Uh, Salmon Wexman discovered streptomycin, coined the word antibiotic. Uh, Gabriel Lippmann discovered color photography. Uh, Barak Bloomberg discovered the origin and spread of infectious disease. Uh, G. Edelman discovered the chemical structure of antibodies. Uh, Britton Epstein identified the first cancer virus. Uh, Maria Meyer, structure of atomic nuclei. Uh, Julius Mayer, discovered law of thermodynamics. Uh, Benjamin Disraeli, prime minister of Great Britain, uh, 1804-1881. Israel, Isaac Singer invented the sewing machine, and... And and many others. You know, we go on and on about the accomplishments of Israelites. So, is it because they are detrimental? Well, obviously not. You know, is it because they are too conservative in their lifestyles? <laughs> well, according to the description we read last week from chapter eleven, verse eight, where it says, "And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified." Obviously, it isn't because of their conservative lifestyle that the world hates them. They're worldly. They are worldly. No, the reason is, is because in them is to be fulfilled the promises of God. Look at Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom pertaineth the adoption, and the glory, and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the service of God, and the promises, whose are the fathers, and of of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God bless forever. Amen. You see, in Israel has had a coveted, covenanted place. In, the, in God. They were God's chosen people. They were given uh, the covenants, uh, the glory of the nations, the promise, the giving of the law, uh, 
the promises of God, the word of God. We know through them comes the oracles of God. Uh, so, so they had, they had uh, uh, great and precious privileges. And through them yet to come is the one who will sit on the throne of David and rule and reign out of Jerusalem. Uh, of course, that's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, these promises are not yet fulfilled. For example, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 9, 6 and 7, where it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, that part is born, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, this part is not. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end, upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You know, this was you know, this is really referring to the promise given to David that he would have a son forever to sit on his throne. Of course, that was given in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 13 through 17. You know, there was an application there to Solomon, but also an application to the future, because he said forever we refer to Christ. And David understood that. And, of course, we see this brought out in other places in Scripture. In fact, Micah chapter 5, and, uh, yeah, Micah 5, 2 through 9, Micah 5, 2 through 9, the uh, prophet Micah spoke of this time. When he said, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto you, me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Therefore will he give them up, until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth, then the remnant of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. Now the interesting thing, you talk about uh, until which she which travaileth brought forth. Go, look at Revelation, go back to Revelation 11 for just a minute. Chapter 12 refers to this in uh, Revelation 12, verse 1. It says, There appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, upon her head a crown of twelve stars. And she, being with child, cried, travailing in birth and pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his head. His tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered to devour her child as soon as was to be born. And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. So there you have that thousand two hundred and three score days, that three and a half years. It's also referred to as time, times, and half time in verse 14. But the woman here is Israel. The child is the Lord, Jesus Christ. And of course the great red dragon is the old devil. And he draws a third part of the stars of the angels that followed him in their rebellion against God. And, and, and so he was ready to destroy Christ as soon as he was born. Herod was the instrument. And of course, the Lord warned Joseph in a dream, you take the child to Egypt. 
because Herod's going to seek his life. And so he did. And he escaped, escaped that death of Christ as soon as he was born. And, of course, then he, it says the child was caught up to God. Of course, he was crucified, and he was taken up, sent up in heaven. But the woman, it says, fled in the wilderness where she had the place prepared of God that they should feed her a thousand two hundred and threescore days. So, so that's referring, now we're already into the tribulation in chapter 12, in verse 6. And that's where the children of Israel are going to flee because of the persecution that is going to come upon them. But these promises are yet to be fulfilled in them, and that's why the world hates them. Look at Micah chapter 5 again. Verse 4. He shall stand and feed in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. For now shall he be great unto the ends of the earth. Now this is talking about the kingdom. This is not talking about tribulation. And this man shall be the peace. When the Assyrians shall come into our land, he shall tread in our palaces. Then shall we raise against him seven shepherds and eight principal men. And they shall waste the land of Assyria with the sword and the land of Nimrod in the entrances thereof. And thus shall he deliver us from the Assyrian when he cometh into our land and when he treadeth within our borders. And the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many people as the dew from the Lord, as the showers upon the grass that tarrieth not for man, nor waiteth for the sons of men. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the Gentiles in the midst of many people, as a lion among the beasts of the forest, as a young lion among the flocks of sheep, who if he go through, both treadeth down and teareth in pieces, and none can deliver. Thine hand shall be, shall be lifted up upon thine adversaries, and all thine enemies shall be cut off. So again, it talks about a remnant. And the remnant is going to waste the land of Assyria. Of course, Assyria was one of the first large enemies that come against Israel. It was the land of Mesopotamia prior to Babylon. It was, would it be northern Iraq and southeastern Turkey today. But it would be the land area. <coughs> Excuse me. And, uh, and of course, Babylon was southern, uh, would, would have been identified as southern Iraq. But these are always uh, persecuted Israel. And he says in that day that, you know, uh, this 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 man, uh, he's, he's going to destroy. He's gonna, if, if they come into that land, he's going he's going he's going to uh, raise against him seven shepherds. So he's going to destroy them. Uh, so it's referring to the kingdom there. But so these nations, these uh, you know, and these nations, I believe, represent all nations that will come against Israel in the tribulation period. And and and. Uh, uh, persecute them as we see here in chapter 12 where it says the woman fled into the wilderness verse 6 where she hath a place prepared of God and they feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days uh, but again I you, you know I ask the question why why does the world hate Israel Because there's no earthly nation like Israel that God has taken in an everlasting covenant. Why does Iran and its allies want to wipe Israel off the map? It's demonic. The devil desires to nullify the promises of God made to Israel. Yeah, they are the instruments of the devil. Think about it. 
John 8, 44 says, Ye are of your father the devil. He is a murderer from the beginning. You know, he, he walks not in truth. There is, there's no truth in him. He is the liar and the father of it. You know, their, their philosophy and their ideology is based on lies, and it's, 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 uh, it's murderous. It's murderous. And all these nations are going to come against Israel. There's, there's this hatred and anger. In, in fact, if you notice, if you, let's read on in, the, uh, in, 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 in uh, Revelation 12. Of course, part of this it says that uh, there's going to be war in heaven, verse 7 through 10. Uh, Satan's going to be cast out. Uh, but in verse 13 it says, And when the dragon saw that he was cast unto the earth, he persecuted the woman, so that be Israel, which brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. There's that time, that's again three and a half years, from the face of the serpent, which is the devil. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. Now, I don't think it was actually water. You know, waters in Revelation also speaks of humanity. We'll see that when we get to chapter, thir- chapter 13. But it speaks of humanity. The waters are peoples, nations, and tongues. So, so there's, there's this anger, this is hatred of Israel. And we see it in the world today um you know if, if you if you don't believe it just look at all what the how the un uh treats israel uh i was i was i'd read something the other day and i couldn't find it today but uh about how many resolutions have condemned israel in just the recent past well there here's one this is december 2018 u.s the UN condemns Israel through six resolutions in one day. Uh, United Nations on Friday continued its streak of frequently condemning the Jewish state, passing six anti-Israel resolutions. The first, titled the Syrian Golan, Golan passed with 100 votes in favor, uh, and so on. It says, and according to the non-governmental uh, organization UN Watch, which monitors anti-Israel bias at the world body, the measure is oblivious to genocidal massacres taking place now in Syria and its security implications for Israel and the civilians in the Golan Heights. It ignores Syria's history of shelling Israeli communities. Its leaders call for a war of annihilation against Israel and Syria's 1967 aggression that led to its loss of the territory. The second was adopted in 144. It's called, titled Jerusalem. Uh, and... According to the UN, watch this resolution implies that Israel administration of Jerusalem hinders freedom of religion. Well, in fact, the opposite is true. Before 1967, Jordan destroyed Jewish holy sites and denied access to Jews. Where under, un, under Israel, all faiths have access to the city and enjoy full freedoms. And it goes on. How many resolutions have you heard about condemning Hamas? Not one. Not one. In fact, in December, they tried. A resolution condemning Hamas failed at the UN despite majority, unprecedented support, U.S. bid for first ever UN uh, vote against terror group was doomed after states decided it would need a two-thirds majority. 
87 countries voted in favor, 57 opposed, and 33 abstained. The United Nations General Assembly on Thursday failed to pass a resolution condemning Hamas, serving a defeat to Israel and its American ally in their efforts for the first ever UN condemnation of the terror group after weeks of diplomacy. While the U.S. backed draft resolution got a comfortable majority of votes, it fell short of the two-thirds supermajority needed to pass. So, you know, there's this hatred. There's a hatred of Israel. Uh, there's the anger of the nations. But he also describes them as the destroyers of the earth. If you notice in verse 18, at the end of the verse it says, and, 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 uh, and should us destroy them, destroy, destroy the earth. So God's going to destroy them, he says, that destroy the earth. In other words, these, these people who are against God, God says they're destroying the earth. Now, who often gets blamed for destroying the earth? It's we who use the natural resources. God gave us dominion over the world. We are to use it. Environmentalism, think about this. Environmentalism has affected the preservation of life in California. It's contributed to the wildfires in California. You know, these are the God-haters. A couple articles here. Science Friday, this was on a radio station, says, Can California use more planned burns to prevent catastrophic wildfires? In February, a report, the watchdog, Little Hoover Commission, concluded that the way California landowners have collectively managed forests is unprecedented catastrophe. In May, Governor Jerry Bryan issued an executive order to improve forest management, and with it, a dramatic change. Now, Pimlot says that Cal Fire intends to triple the amount of prescribed fire on lands the state controls. We can prevent these large catastrophic fires, or at least reduce the intensity when fire does occur, he says. So a little bit of smoke now and a little bit of inconvenience now is well worth offsetting these large damaging fires. That's a small step toward addressing a major deficit, according to the commission's report. An area the size of Maryland, including state, private, and federal land, needs maintenance of planned fire, planned fire to become healthier, unquote. I remember when we were in Maine, there was a man there who worked in the uh, um, ski lodge at the ski rental part. And uh, he, he, he liked to go to Florida in the winter, but uh, he, he married another, he, his first wife died, he remarried, and, she didn't, and the second wife didn't want to go to Florida. So he didn't go to Florida, so he worked at a ski lodge during the winter. Anyway, he was telling me, and at that time, they were having problems with wildfires in Florida. And I got to talk to him about it, and I said, yeah, here's a bunch of wild, he said, yeah, he said, he said, you know, Pastor, he said, a lot of that is because they don't do controlled burning anymore. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, usually they, they, would, they, would, they, they would start fires and control fires to burn undergrowth and debris that has accumulated in the forest so that it wouldn't be like a powder keg if a fire started. And that's the problem in California. Even the Secretary of Interior, I think that's what it is, Secretary of Interior, um, made reference to that. He got a lot of critics over it, but he made reference to that, Trump's Secretary of Interior, that that's the problem in California. If they would still use control burning, yeah, and the second article says, 
by Emily Turner, August 3rd, 2018, says, quote, California's devastating wildfires have been fueled by drought, heat, and what Cal Fire calls missed opportunities to clear overgrown forests. Controlled burns, fuel load, vegetation management, these are buzzwords being thrown around the state capitol right now. While the state is making it all that a priority, the fact of the matter is it hasn't for decades, and we are dealing with the consequences, unquote. Because they haven't used control burning, now they have massive wildfires. With environmentalism, trapping is not worthwhile anymore. I mean, you're killing those poor animals. And now we have diseases increasing. There's, there's a lack of harvesting of natural resources. You know, I, was, I was telling uh, Brother Crittenden the other day, we got talking about this a little bit, when we were in Maine. Uh, of course, there's, there's, there's efforts in Maine of environmentalists to make the northern part of Maine a wildlife, like a, like a world park, a wildlife refuge. You know, northern Maine is fairly conservative. Southern Maine is very liberal. That's kind of the way it is, you know. And and so uh, I had gotten this paper called All Maine Matters, and it was addressing some of these issues, and it was talking about, you know, these, these people, these environmentalists, want to let all the forest and everything go back to its original state. You know, you don't ever cut anything. You just let it go, you know, uh, let nature take care of itself. And so there was this article about, when Benedict Arnold marched on Fort Saratoga, I think it was. Huh? That the right one? What was the fort? Who was it? Huh? I can't hear you. Doesn't matter. Anyway, he took his troops during the Revolutionary War up through Sugarloaf Mountain. Which now there's a big ski lodge up there, but up to that, up through that area, and what we would call the Allegash Wilderness, which it's a wilderness. Anyway, thinking that there would be food, wildlife to shoot for food in route, they almost starved because they get into those forests where it never been touched by man. There was no feed on the forest floor to eat. So wildlife vacated the area. He said what they needed was some, some men to come in and cut and create new growth. You know, um, you know to use the natural resources. But, but, the, 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 but another thing I want to consider here is the hatred of God by the enemies of God has ravaged the earth throughout history. Notice verse 15 again of chapter 12. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. Now, again, we're talking about a, a, a flood of humanity, and we're talking about a great army that's going to come against Jerusalem during the Battle of Armageddon. And, and as you think about wars throughout history... You know, nations that are against God and his people have brought destruction and famine and disease on regions of the world through their diabolic policies. 
Hitler, Stalin. It killed millions of guiltless people. You know, Zizizis and, 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 you know, Chairman Mao, uh, the Catholic Church in Dark Ages. You know, they're, they're you know, and a lot of this has to do with their hatred of God and God's word. You see, Christian people don't kill other people. Christian people are not warmongers. Christian people don't enslave other people. Yes, Christians will go to battle in defense of themselves, but they will not kill their enemies just because they disagree with them. You know, the desolation in the Middle East is a result of the Muslim caliphate, which is pretty much broken. But now, it's between the two branches of Islam. You know, they fight, if they can't fight with the world, they fight with each other. Again, these, are, these all are against God. So, the, so what I'm saying is here, these are destroying their earth. You know, many parts of Africa, communism and Islam have brought devastation. The, the situation in Venezuela is the result, again, of policies that are against God. And bringing destruction upon the earth. The murders are based on lies. And God said he's going to destroy them that destroy the earth. These are destroyers of the earth and, the, and what is in it. But I want you to notice then the third thing, the consummation of God's promises. In verses 18 and 19, again it says, The nations were angry and thy wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged. So we're talking about he's going to judge the dead. And then he says that they should, thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in heaven, in, in his temple, the ark of his testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. So the time has come for... I want to notice three things. The judgment of the nations and the wicked dead. It says, In the nations are angry, and thy wrath has come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged. So, so we're, we're referring to, what we're referring to there would be the great white throne judgment. And, and you know, it said, The time has come for God to judge the nations and the dead. Uh, they're going to receive their just reward, their just reward for their rebellion against God and against God's people. You know, this is what the saints pleaded for in chapter 6. How long, O Lord? To us, uh, uh, you know, redeem us, uh, take vengeance of them that, that have shed our blood, uh, avenge our blood and them that dwell in the Lord. How long? Well, the time has come. But there's a second here. There's the rewarding of God's people. You notice he says, the, the reward of thy, the servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and to them that fear thy name, both small and great. So there's going to be a rewarding of God's people and, and, and to the saints of God and those that fear his name. You know, and this rewarding, I believe, is not, I don't think he's referring to the judgment seat of Christ. I, really think, I believe in context it's referring to the fact that we're going to be exalted before the nations. In chapter 4, 
when Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, in verses 9 through 13, he says this. Uh, well, let's, let me back up here a little bit. Verse 8, he says, Now you're a fool, now you're rich. You have reigned as kings without us. I would God you did reign, that ye, we also might reign with you. For I think that God has set forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. We are fools for Christ's sake, but ye are wise in Christ. We are weak, but ye are strong. Ye are honor, but we are despised. Even at this present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and are naked and are buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place. In labor, working with our hands, being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer. Being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the filth of the world, and the off, are the offscouring of all things unto this day. So, you know, he says he's going to reward the prophets, the saints, and those that fear their name. You know, we who are despised in this day and time. You know, God's prophets have always been despised. Uh, God's people have always been mocked, the persecuted. You know, even to this day, you know, some consider us to be lacking in intellectual enlightenment. Or, you know, I've even heard this phrase that, you know, that, that we're those that hold on to that, that crutch, the rapture, you know, that crutch. You know, we're just, we're just a little bit lack, you're just a little bit lacking in intelligence, Bradley, you know, to, to believe those things. And, you know, you're just looking for an escape route. That's what they're saying. You don't really live in reality. You know, we feel so bad for you, so far, so sorry for you. You know, it's but but that in that day, but it says here we're going to be rewarded, and I believe this reward has to do with being exalted before the nations. And he he gives a pledge of his promises. And notice verse verse nineteen, and I, and, I, and this is the only conclusion I get of this verse: the temple of God was opened in heaven. And there were seen in his temple the ark of his testament. And there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and earthquake and great hail. What's significance about the temple being open in heaven? And there was seen in his temple the ark of the testament. The, the ark of the testament speaks of the covenant of God with his people. The promises made by God to his people. In Jeremiah thirty-two forty it says, And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts that they should not depart from me. Ezekiel sixteen sixty. Nevertheless, I will remember my covenant with thee in the days of thy youth, and I will establish unto thee an everlasting covenant. And then Hebrews thirteen twenty says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead the Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working you that which is well-pleasing in the sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, it's a, it's a reminder that we have an everlasting covenant with God that He is going to keep, that He is keeping. You know, Jesus told His disciples in Luke twenty-two thirty that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Talking, he was talking to the disciples. And when he, when he says here in verse 18, when he's 
I believe this reference is referring to the reward we're going to receive of ruling over those nations who ruled over us. But now, the tables are turned. And we are going to rule over the nations. You know, Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and said, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? In Romans 8, 17 and 18, he said, If the children... Then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, is so that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We're going to share in his glory. He's going to rule and reign. And we're going to share in that glory. He's going to rule and reign over the nations of the earth. And you and I who are despised, Look down on. Consider less than the elite of the world are going to rule and reign with him over the nations of the world. See, the tables are going to be turned. This is a, this is a pledge of his promise to us. You know, God is a pledge that God does and will keep his promises to us we can rest upon it and I believe this is an encouragement particularly to the saints there's going to be saints in the tribulation period to them to be faithful unto the end but it's a challenge to us to be faithful unto the end knowing that these things are certain you know the thing the the, the world may grow uh the, the, the things of the world, the evil men and seducers will show up, wax and worse and worse. But the Lord is going to keep his promises. They will be fulfilled. And we can have confidence and assurance in them. That one day, as he said, we will rule and reign with him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time you were tonight. Thank you for the encouragement that we receive in it. I pray you should help us to be faithful as witnesses for you uh, in these days in which we're living to glorify you that one day we will be glorified together with you. So Lord, we just thank you for your precious promises and we do pray in Jesus' name.